Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Good morning, everybody. Um, It is a gift to hear somebody's story about how they walk with Jesus. And so for those of you that are willing to be on the screen and played over and over again or retweeted or whatever, um, thank you for that gift. Um, All of us have a unique journey with Jesus. And as we listen to other people's uh, stories, I'm really looking forward to that in the next few weeks. So just invite us to um, just appreciate the story for what it is and to um, marvel at God and what God does and how God tailor-makes um, a relationship for each one of us. Um, and also, as we teach through the Scriptures, um, I also hope that that will happen to you, that we're, these stories are older than the ones we're hearing. This, the one we're hearing today is Jacob. It's one of the oldest stories, not just in the Bible, but one of the oldest stories that we know about in all of the world right now. Um, and to invite you, first of all, to appreciate the story for just what it is. It's like it's someone's story with God. It's someone's journey with God, and it's, it's, it's a precious uh, story in and of itself, and that we can marvel at God and what God did in that person's life. Um, but also because this is God's Word, the Scriptures are God's Word, I want to invite us, um, when we hear about Jacob and other people in Scripture, to see ourselves in the story. Today, we're going to look at four snapshots of Jacob's life that describe his relationship with God. Um, They're different, four different points. And we're gonna actually focus in on a particular phrase that he uses when speaking about God or or, uh, to God. And what that tells us about the stage of his relationship at that time, the development of his relationship. And let's appreciate that story, but I hope, I deeply hope that, that some part of that story will resonate with our life, with your life, with where you are today, that one of those four stories will speak to you. Now, we're going to start at the beginning, not at the beginning, but at the end of the Jacob story. The Jacob story sits sort of in Genesis like 25 to 35, and I'm actually going to share the last snapshot first. We're going to look at the sort of the, the later stage of Jacob's relationship with God and say, what do we see? What is his relationship with God like here? And then we're going to back up and see how he got there, right? Um, So we're going to be looking at uh, starting off at Genesis 35, verses 1 through 5. And it's just a story about Jacob's relationship with God. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. God tells Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there, and Jacob does it. He says, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God. So at this later stage, as Jacob's had a long journey with God, what does his relationship with God look like? 
Well, one of the things we observe here is that Jacob has the kind of relationship with God where God speaks to him. God tells him to do things. He tells him to move somewhere, settle there, worship him. And Jacob does it. And on top of that, as God tells him to do things and he listens to God, he, he brings people with him. He calls his whole family, his clan, and then others. It says his whole household and others to come with him. And the result of his relationship is that other people join him in following and worshiping God. It mentions here that they get rid of their idols. their things, their other gods that people worshiped. And that part of Jacob's life is, is putting away those idols, that those things are put away, his idols and other people's idols, they're put away and, they, they, and then they would start worshiping the true God. And then you even see here this halo effect here that as he's going through, even the people that don't worship God, the people in the towns around him, even if they don't worship God, they notice God when he's around. It says the terror of God fell on them and they didn't harm him. So what do you think about that kind of life where God tells you what to do and you do it? You follow God's instructions. You get to go where God tells you to go. Do what God tells you to do. Worship at places. And then in the wake of that following, other people come. There's nothing like a relationship with God where you get to follow him and see others drawn to him. There's nothing like it. Um, uh, our family is, uh, we're, we're creatures of habit. Uh, and we see, so we, what we probably do is do a few things and we do them for a long time. Um, and so when God tells us to change something, uh, we need to be open and ready for that because that's not gonna be our natural bent. Uh, we need to pay attention and we need to sort of make sure we're hearing from him, like I said, because you don't change that often. And so, uh, and so, and so but in our life, um, we've had the experience where um, most major decisions in our marriage, in our adult life, there's been some pretty specific call of God involved with this. I was just thinking the other day too, uh, the three neighborhoods where we've chosen to live. So we lived in an apartment as soon as we were married just because it was the cheapest place we could find. But other than that, the other three neighborhoods we were, we, we've lived in all had very specific God stories attached to them and about how God brought us and told us to live there or directed us to live in those particular places and then all the things that God did as a result of going to those places. The churches that we've been to, very specific leadings. What we did in those churches, very specific leadings. Um, and and, so, and so, so on and so forth. The schools that our children have, have attended. Um, and, and each of those has been God's very specific leading. And what we hope, I hope, um, that as a result of that, our children, our families, and those around us have had a chance to see God in some way, have been able to be pointed to God in some way. Um, that they've been able to see, and even whether or not people respond to God and worship him um, or not, that, that God is part of their story. There's nothing like it. But, you know, it's not always like that. And it wasn't always like that for Jacob. And it certainly didn't start that way. For most of us, it usually doesn't start that way. Um, so we're going to look at three other snapshots to see how Jacob got here from there. Let me pray for us. God, we acknowledge that uh, um, we're all in, in a place right now that we're on our journey. We're, we're walking with you. We're trying to figure out what it means to walk with you. And we, 
hope that you're there. We hope um, that you are, are, are leading us somewhere. And so, God, we bring that to you this morning. And as we look at this story of your child, Jacob, would you open up the stories of our own lives? Would you bring us to a place where we would be able to understand you better, that we would be able to walk um, in his steps so that we can walk in your steps? In Jesus' name, amen. So we find uh, the beginning of Jacob's story that he is the younger of two sons, of two twin sons, actually. Um, and in this culture back then, being the younger, uh, being the older is actually was important. The older person was the, the, the one that would be the head of the family in the future. Even if you were twins, it wasn't like you're the same age. One of you was born first, you were older. Um, and we meet this story, we join this story um, with Jacob's father, Isaac, getting older and deciding to give his spiritual blessing to his oldest son, Esau. So Jacob's twin, the oldest son, but the one who was born first. And this spiritual blessing would make Esau the head of the family. Uh, this wasn't one of those like, uh, hey, I'm going to pray a blessing over you like we might do every day or uh, add a boy. It's a kind of blessing like this happened one time. You got it. And it was permanently yours. So it was almost as if he like, it was the same thing as if he inherited like a piece of property. Like when he gave him the spiritual blessing, it was his. It was permanent. Now, a couple other details is that Isaac by this time, because of age, was blind. He couldn't see. Second thing is, um, Isaac wanted a meal to, to accompany this blessing, and he sent Esau off to hunt. I know that there are some hunters out here that, that to hunt some game because he liked the taste of wild game. And so he sent Esau to go hunt some game, make a really great meal for me, and then I'll give you my, my blessing. I'll make you head of the family and receive the family's blessings forever into the future. So these two facts, the fact that Esau has to go hunt something and the fact that Isaac is blind creates an opportunity for Jacob. So Jacob's mother, Rebecca, who loved, who's always loved Jacob and was trying to get him in, in, the, in the goods with this, said, here, this is our chance. You're going to go in. We're going to get some of the goats from our own pen. You're going to cook a meal. You're going to go in there. You're going to tell your blind father that you're Esau. You are then going to get the spiritual blessing that will make you the head of the family and receive the family's blessings from now on. So she's got this idea. Jacob, uh, you know, being a smart guy is thinking, so I, I don't look at all like Esau. Now, remember, Isaac can't see, but the other detail is that Esau is a very hairy man and Jacob is not. And so he's thinking, if I get close enough to him and he touches me, he's going to find out that I am not Esau and then I will be in big trouble. And so Rebecca says, Okay, I got a solution for that problem. First of all, I'm going to put your, like, your brother's dirty laundry on you, so you're going to go in smelling like him. Uh, and, uh, and then on top of that, I'm going to put goat skins on your neck and on your arms so that when you go in and he feels you, he's going to say, oh, that feels just like, like Esau. Now, if you think about it, that's pretty funny, right? Because it was like, how hairy was this guy? Like, it's like Bigfoot or something like that. So he's going in and, he's, and he says, okay, go ahead and, and try this. So this is where we find Jacob, uh, and this is Jacob's first mention of God. So I'm going to read the, the, the story right here, um, pick it up. And he says, um, he went into his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? 
Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Right? Because like he didn't have to hunt. He just went to the pen, right? So he came faster than he expected. Uh-oh. This is like a, you know, like a comedy, you know, you know, like those comedies when someone's pulling a heist and someone's like almost going to figure out that you're pulling the heist and you're wondering like, is he going to get caught, right? That's what's happening right now. First thing Esau says, uh, I mean, Isaac says is, how'd you get here so quickly? The Lord, your God gave me success, he replied. First time the Lord is on Jacob's tongue is part of a lie, <laughs> So everyone's relationship with God starts somewhere, and Jacob starts here. He's born into a mildly dysfunctional family with a mixed religious background. Uh, he is, every, people are maneuvering around each other to try to get the upper hand in this family. Um, he's heard, but this family is also one where he's heard about God. He's heard stories that, about how his father was born miraculously, how his mom and dad got together miraculously, and some stories from the past about God's encounter with some of them. So he's heard about someone else's relationship with God, but it's clearly not his own experience. You can tell that by the fact that he says, the Lord your God gave me success, right? Did you notice that when he said that? It's like, the Lord your God gave me success. He's heard about God, but he knows that, like, that's somebody else's story. I just heard about it. However, he is not above using God's name or talking about God um, in a way that would serve his purposes. But he talks about God in sort of like a far off generalized way. You know, I think about like how we can casually talk about God today. Like you tell me some of these, um, these phrases sound familiar. Like when someone just talks about, well, you know, the man upstairs, blah, 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 right? Or if someone will say, you know, Everything happens for a reason, you know? The Lord works in mysterious ways. You know, those kinds of generalized ways that people will talk about God today. And that's acknowledging God. It's, it's, it's better than nothing. And it's a starting point. And, and if we've heard about God, but God really isn't our God, that's probably the best we can do, right? The best we can do is to, to put God as a label onto what we're going to do anyway, you see, that's what Jacob does. Like, I was going to do this anyway, um, and I'm going to put God on top of it. Um, and and what, I'm, what I'm telling you to say is that that's, if that's where you're starting right now, that's okay. If that's all that you've had right now, that's okay. That, that's a, it's a place to start. Um, and that's where Jacob started. When, when Isaac asked him, how did you get here so quickly? He said, oh, the Lord did it. But that's not really a relationship with God, is it? It's not really a relationship with God. It's the start. It's a start of a relationship, but it's not the relationship. If our lives are ones where we sort of do our own thing and then say, hey, we're going to add God on top of it by saying a blessing over it or naming God, that's not really a relationship. Now, this, this, uh, the, this interaction between Jacob and Isaac proceeds in a really comical way, right? So he, he goes, the Lord gave me success. And he said, come on closer. And he, he goes over and feels him and feels the goat hair and said, oh, close enough. Um, and then he smells. He saw, then, then this is the funny line. He was like, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but 
this, you know, it feels like Esau, so good enough. And then, so he, he, gets, he gets the blessing. He gets the blessing. And actually, he asked him one, one more time. It's like, are you really Esau? And Jacob was like, yes. You know, and, and he, he gets the blessing. He gets the blessing, but he gets it doing his own way with God sort of being tacked on top, right? Our relationship with God starts with us in our regular lives, with the families that we have, good and bad, all the knowledge we've received about God, whether that's a little or a lot. And often we, we're, uh, we, we go about life trying to secure blessing. We want blessings. Everybody does, just like Jacob. We find our way to try to get blessings however that we can. Now, many of us in, in our culture right here in Texas, the United States, the West, we've heard about God and we're okay tacking him on to our own plans and beliefs. If you are unfortunate enough, and I mean unfortunate enough, if you are unfortunate enough, your life could be pretty successful by just God tacking being an add-on to your life. Um, we could probably make it and just say, make a nod to the man upstairs every once in a while. If you, that's where you're starting, that's okay. But I hope you don't end up staying there. And Jacob did not end up staying there, mercifully. So uh, this, uh, as soon as Jacob gets his blessing, again, a great comedic scene. As soon as he gets his blessing, Esau comes in and says, I am your son Esau, I'm here for your blessing. And then the whole, the, the, you know, very quickly, the whole scheme is blown. The trick is revealed. And before long, Jacob has to flee for his life. And that's where we meet him in the second scene uh, we're gonna look at. He is on the run, stops for the night, and sleeps, you know, against a stone here. Um, and in the night, he receives this vision, a vision of a stairway connecting heaven and earth. The, the very old uh, Bible versions say a ladder connecting the, the, the uh, heavens and earth. It's probably more like a stairway or a ziggurat, if you know what that is, um, an ancient building that, that, that connects heaven and earth. And and what that stairway connecting heaven and earth says to, to Jacob is that heaven, you might have thought that heaven was far away and separated from you, but actually heaven is connected and near to you, um, to your surprise. That's what that stairway is telling him. And then into that, we hear God speak the first words to Jacob. So we heard Jacob's first words about God. Now we're going to hear God's first words to Jacob. So here are God's first words to Jacob. I am the Lord, the God of your... So that's uh, Genesis 28, starting in 13. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants in the land on which you are living. Notice that he says, he also says, I am the God of your grandfather and your father. He acknowledges that he's not Jacob's God yet, right? You see, God knows that. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. We're going to skip forward to verse 20. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on the journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. 
Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So God appears, says, I am the Lord, God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I am with you and will watch over you. Jacob's second thing that he ever says about God is he says, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I am taking, then he will be my God. God has now become real to Jacob. You know, the stories he heard from his father and others about encountering God, now one of those stories has just happened to him. But listen to what he says. Um, God promises to bless Jacob, and Jacob responds with, if, if you do those things for me, then you will be my God. Before, you couldn't really say Jacob had a relationship with God. At best, he had a relationship with the idea of God. Whether God was real or not didn't matter much. He was just sort of tacked on, right? Now God becomes real to him, and he is really relating to God, but he is relating to God in terms of what God can do for him. Did you catch that? He is really relating to God, but he's relating to God in terms of what can I get out of this? What will God do for me? Now, before we get too judgmental about Jacob for being in it, for what he can get out of it, um, we should notice that that's how God introduces himself, right? God comes to Jacob and doesn't tell him to do something. God comes to Jacob and says, I'm going to do this for you. So God starts the relationship with that way. And as a matter of fact, please get this. Our relationship with God always fundamentally begins with what God does for you, not what you could do for God. As a matter of fact, if you find yourself in a church where you hear more about what you need to do than about what God has done for you, I would advise you to go elsewhere. God does stuff for us. God gifts gifts. God answers prayer. The problem wasn't how God started the relationship, which is always God's free gift, free gift to you. That's always how God starts a relationship. But Jacob never gets beyond the things he wants God to do for him, right? He never gets beyond that at this point. He's not beyond that. He's, he's, he's still thinking, what can God do for me? He's, he's desperate. And all of us get that that way. And there's nothing wrong with that to be saying, I'm in this spot where I need God to do something for me and to cry out for God. That's, that's normal and that's appropriate. But Jacob is in a place where he's there and no farther. Now, don't get me wrong too. It's incredibly important and a thrill when God intervenes in your life. Um, our family, again, has had many experiences of God intervening, of, of sensing God's intervention in our life. And some of them are ones that observers might call small coincidences. And other ones are ones where we think that, that, that are far more significant. We feel like that was God clearly, you know, hard to, hard to chalk that one up to, to coincidence. We've regularly experienced that, but it's important to say that those are the decoration of our relationship with God and not the substance. One way to put it is this. It's like if uh, Tracy and I, when we talk about rela our relationship, the only thing we talk about is the last thing the other person bought for us, right? Like if we were just talking about it and I was like, oh, I remember when she got me this. I remember when she got me that. And if that, the only thing she said about me was like, oh, I remember when he got me this. I remember when he got me that. Like you would probably sense, is there, is there more to that relationship than the last thing you got from the other person? 
God answers our prayers, but God answers our prayers to tangibly show his love and power. A preoccupation with signs or with answered prayers, though, has a few weaknesses. One of the, uh, is the, the weaknesses is that we miss the point that God is not just answering prayers so that we can have our prayers answered, so that he could be the best prayer answerer, although he is. Um, there's a colleague of mine that, that uh, operates a lot in healing prayer. She's one of these people we would call charismatic types, and she prays for healing, and that's a big part of what she's, she's passionate about. But she always follows, if there's a healing, she always follows with a question with, why do you think God healed you? Like, instead of saying, I'm going to pray for you, and there's some, like, your leg was healed, instead of saying, you've been healed, she immediately says, yeah, 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 we all knew God could heal you, but why do you think God just did that for you? God answers our prayers for a bigger reason than our answered prayer, and if we never get to that, then we can operate on a level that's very close to superstition, that just says, oh, well, that's, a, like, that's cool, like, I've got this neat little magic trick that God can do. The second problem uh, with a preoccupation with signs or answered prayer is what do we make of it when God doesn't answer the prayer the way we asked for it, right? Because you, you have three choices typically there. One, you could start getting disillusioned and say, well, I just, like, I'm going to stop believing in God. Two, you could just say, there's something wrong with me. I need to have some more kind of faith and figure out the right way to do this. And it becomes about, like, are we exercising enough faith? Or the third one is you can actually start becoming delusional and having, convinced, having to convince yourself that God did something that when God, well, what God really did is he listened to your request and he said, hey, no, sorry. You know? um, and so, and so they, it can create some problems. So I don't want to say that, we, that God does not relate to us in terms of us saying, God, I need your miraculous deliverance. But again, we want to, to go beyond that. Jacob sincerely met God, at some level was starting to believe in God, but it's clear from this phrase that God was not yet his God. What this shows is you can have a relationship with God's stuff without God being your God. You can actually have a relationship, you can actually say, I prayed to God for him to give me a job and get a job and God still not be your God. You could come to church and really get into church and say, I love this church and I'm going to do the church thing and join a small group and start serving and I can experience the benefits and love worship and have the feeling. You can, do, you can get all of God's stuff and God not be your God. And that's where Jacob was. In order to make that turn, Jacob needed one more encounter. Now, 20 long years would go by before that uh, before that encounter. If you ever want to read a super entertaining story, read the story of those 20 years. It's crazy. I don't, want to say, I don't have time to summarize it all with you, but uh, he goes and meets his, his uncle. So his mother, remember the one that concocted that trick to be able for, for him to get the, the, the blessing? So his mother is sort of a tricky kind of person. Jacob's inherited that. He now finds out that is a family trait. Like it, it actually, they're all like that on my mom's side of the family. They're all like about tricking each other. So he meets his uncle, goes to work for his uncle and crazy, and the trickster ends up getting tricked basically for 20 years. He marries two of his uncle's daughters, one by accident. And, uh, he, and then he ends up with all this time of, of, of and then he gets to watch um, his, his two wives who are siblings 
have the same kind of sibling rivalry that he and his brother had. So he and his brother are always fighting about who's gonna get the blessing, who's gonna get the blessing. And then uh, his, his two wives are each trying to go after each other to get a blessing. One of them had kids, one of them had love, but then, then, then they didn't, one of them, the one with kids didn't have love, the one with love didn't have kids. And they were going after each other. Uh, his uncle uh, basically engaged Jacob in 20 years worth of unfair labor practices where he says, I'm gonna give you this, but then switches it around and cheats it. It's, it's this like, it's this comedy of cheating and mutual cheating that uh, Jacob, and it's clearly written to show that Jacob's uh, chickens have come back to roost, so to speak. Like he, he, is, he, is, he got his way by being able to be, by tricking other people and he has met his match. Um, and after 20 years of losing, to, to his uncle, he finally wins. He, he finally manages to trick his uncle, end up getting a whole bunch of property, and then leaves his uncle. Um, now, what happens is his uncle starts going back after him, after he cheats him and runs away. And he is, uh, and, and, and they make, finally make enough peace, but they make enough peace with Jacob having to say, okay, I can't go back there. Um, so, so get this picture. He's gone and he's with his, his uncle. He alienates his uncle. He's leaving. He's going back to his family. He's made this pleasure with his uncle and say, okay, we're not gonna fight each other, but I can't go back. So behind him is an enemy that says, you, you're not allowed back here. In front of him is his brother who 20 years ago had said, as soon as, soon as I get a chance, I'm gonna kill this guy. So that's where he is. He's stuck. He sends a messenger onto his brother, to Esau, to say, hey, Esau, I'm coming back. What's up? We good? And he gets this message that says, your brother Esau is coming to meet you, plus 400 of his buddies. And this is where we meet Jacob right now. Jacob, understandably, is spending a sleepless night. So Genesis 32 Verse uh, 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man is identified later on soon after this, as the Lord. Jacob is wrestling with the Lord now. Jacob, who wrestled with every person he's ever met in his life, has now come to wrestle with the Lord. Jacob, who is trying to wrestle blessing out of every situation in his life, is now wrestling with the one person who could actually bless him. Um, he's backed into a corner. He realizes that here in front of him, is the one whose blessing he needs. In all of his wrestling for blessing, God has been on the periphery. Sometimes far on the periphery, the Lord gave me success. Sometimes closer, if you give me success. But now he experiences the truth that relationship requires clinging to God himself. Nothing more, nothing less. Relationship requires clinging to God himself, nothing more, nothing less. The emphasis is that is, is not like the blessing, but it's like, you must bless me. This one right in front of me. God, I've got you in front of me. And when I've got you in front of me, what I need is your blessing. Not, your, not just, just blessing, not just blessing, your blessing. 
The truth is that he needed God. He needed God himself more than he needed any of the blessings that he got or did not get up to this point. That's a turning point when anybody comes to that realization. When we come to that realization, it is God himself that we need. Um, I think about another story that's going to happen a a couple hundred years later, a few hundred years later, when Moses brings the people of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, they've just uh, worshipped a golden calf, and God is mad about the golden calf. So God tells Moses, he says, says, Moses, I could go with you into the promised land, uh, but I I, I I might have to kill you. So that's the problem. I could go with you. I might have to kill you. So how about this deal? I will send an angel with you into the promised land. He's going to crush all your enemies. You're going to get everything you ever wanted, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses said, if you do not send us, if you do not come with us, don't send us up from here, right? He, he had the offer to say, I can have all the blessings without you. And Moses said, uh-uh, you may kill us, but, but I'm not going anywhere without you. Like uh, Job says in, in, in the book of Job, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Jacob was at that point of saying, I need God. God, not the blessings first, but blessings from God. So this is the, this is the point, this is the point I think where Jacob's uh, uh, relationship with God becomes real. You'll see what happens here. There's, there isn't time to go into what happens where God changes his name. He changes his name to Israel from Jacob to Israel. And once his name, he, God changes his name to Israel, there's a reconciliation with Esau. Esau doesn't want to kill Jacob. But then after that, Jacob builds an altar and calls it El Elohe Israel, God, the God of Israel, right? At this point, Israel's not the name of a, a country. Israel's his name, right? So when he, built, he builds an altar and says, this God is now my God. And I need this God more than I need any blessing in my life. It was that final encounter that allowed Jacob to become the person we met at the beginning. One who is capable of having a relationship with God where he hears him, follows him, brings other people along. It was getting to that point. So um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and to play some music. And I'm going to invite us into just a few minutes of closing reflection. I'm going to put the four phrases up here that Jacob said. And I want to ask you, are you in any of these places? Are you in a place, um, the Lord your God gave me success? Are you in a place right now where God is just a word on your lips mostly? You may, you, I, I assume since you're in church that God means something to you and that you probably believe in God or are open to, to believe in God, but does God mostly attack on? Uh, one, of the, one of the examples would be like, are you a person that just does the point to the sky or do the sign of the cross when you score a touchdown? You've seen that, right? Like, you know, someone scores a touchdown and does this. Or, like, is it, do you just sort of play the game and you do this little thing when things go well? Um, is are you in that place? That's okay if that's where you are. Um, but I want to invite you that there's something more, that there's something more. If God is just someone that his name comes up every once in a while, if he's just attacked onto your life, that's a good start, but there's something more. Um, it will, are you in a place where you are in need of God's blessing, where you're saying, God, I need you to come through for me? I need this. I, I, don't, I don't have this. I don't have this. I'm in trouble here. I'm in trouble. I need you to come through for me. That's okay. That's actually a great step in the right direction. You believe that God can do something for you. 
Are you asking God for something now? And I'm not, I don't, I don't want to diss on that at all. If you're saying, hey, I am here in church because I need this. I need financial provision. That's fine. You could be there. Ask God for what you need. See if he doesn't come through. I think he will. But there's some of you who have been in that place for a little bit and you're used to asking God for what you want and praying for prayer requests, but you know that there's something more for you as well. Often this comes if you are at a place where you are stuck, where Jacob, uh, Jacob is stuck, where you're like, I can't go back, I can't go forward, I'm stuck right in this place. There is not a resolution to be seen. Don't miss that moment. This is one of the best opportunities in your life. It is an opportunity not for God to do something to change your circumstances yet, but for you to be able to cling to God and say, what I need is you. If nothing changes, what I need is you. If I get nothing else from you, what I need is you. I will not let you go unless you bless me. That my blessing doesn't come from something going well in my life. My blessing doesn't come from some approval of somewhere, someone else. My blessing doesn't come from some change in my life, but rather from you, that God can give you his affirmation, his blessing. He can give you a name. He can tell you who you are as he did with Jacob. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Or are you in a place right now like the, that we were at the beginning where God is directing you to do something, to say, go, go, to, go to this place. You've been here, go there. Go there and worship me. Go there and build an altar to me. If that's you, I want to encourage you. Do it. Do it. Bring, but bring people with you. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell people, hey, I'm doing this to worship God. Will you come with me? Will you come with me? It's like what uh, Dustin did by inviting uh, us to the Bible study. Come with me. I want to learn about God. Come with me. I'm going to ask us to stand and we're going to... Um, close with this, uh, singing this, this uh, song again. And I, I want, whatever, wherever you are, I want to invite you to respond to God, to take that next step in your relationship, to know that there's a God who knows you, who knows your name, who knows exactly who you are, who doesn't judge you or look down on you for being in one stage or another, but who's always calling you, who's calling you deeper, who's calling you to know and experience him more. Don't let him go. Uh, don't let go of him. Don't let go of him until he blesses you. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.